0: about that this morning about the 4th of July or what is better known as Independence Day and uh, because uh, I think what we fail to do in more modern times is that we've uh, sort of become so civilized uh, as a nation that we think we can forget our founding and we can forget the reasons behind the founding of the United States and the founding really uh, of our, our sovereign God who I think Uh, not only think, I know has placed us in these times in history. And uh, I would like to say this, I, I don't look back and take my theology necessarily from our founding fathers, nor look at their lives and scrutinize them in great detail to say all of them were perfect and those kind of things, but I would say this, their direction was one that sought after God and they sought a nation unique on the planet at that time and unique ever since was founding would be one based in freedom, freedom of those governed in the, in the sense of liberty, not total freedom in the sense of anarchy, uh, but in liberty and under law. And the premise of all that, the foundation of that, really came from their biblical worldview. And that is clear. In the early 1980s, the university in Texas did a study on the writings of the founding fathers and they came up with some almost 45,000 pages of writings that were available at that time many of those have been digitized you can read them yourself online you can look up each and every one of those that wrote at at length and many others uh, wrote and you will find that they quoted very often they quoted scripture or they quoted a principle directly out of scripture so much so that that University study came up with a, a stat, and uh, it was this that 80% of what the founders quoted in their own writings at, outside of our legal documents and things like that came directly from Scripture. And if you come to that today and you say, uh, We didn't really weren't founded as a Christian nation or founded as a nation where God was important, right? Uh, because they'll go and they'll try to, you know, pick away things and stuff. Um, You you divorce yourself from the greatest part of our history. You really do. And it's sad. And I think we need to continue to look on those things. And to seek after what the Lord has for us in that. Psalm 32 verse 12 says. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And that is something that is a principle. I think has blessed America. America is not a perfect nation. Because it's made up of very imperfect people. Made up of sinners. All right. Some greater than others. But I will say this, the message that came from the pulpits of America and the colonies some 246 years ago was one of liberty, and liberty under God. And that was extremely important. And later de Tocqueville would write, America is great because America is good. America will no longer be great when it is no longer good. And he saw the inherent direction a nation had put itself on by claiming a moral compass that came only from God. And I understand, again, there's a lot of diverse thought and opinions and there was certainly a lot of imperfections and a lot of things that they battled with uh, in those days. As a matter of fact, on July 2nd of 1776, when the final version of the Declaration of Independence was, was finally settled on uh, in that Second Continental Congress. Um, they settled on it, and then it was ratified on the 4th of July. But often, actually, those that were present in Philadelphia on the 2nd of July felt that was the actual beginning of a nation, because that's when they adopted formally the final writ of the Declaration of Independence. And in that, one of the things that they, they dropped, which is sad at that time, but it would play out some 87 years later, Um, is they dropped the language that uh, basically um, it was a denunciation of the slave trade. And they came within two votes from actually having the denunciation of the slave trade in the Declaration of Independence and then later in the first constitution of the United States. It was that close. Uh, And to say that America uh, was not concerned about that is not true. And later, 87 years later... At the same time of year that the, the declaration had been signed, from July 1st to July 3rd in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, over 50,000 men would die in battle, settling that issue of freedom and liberty for those that were enslaved. And over 600,000 would be uh, die in the Civil War, uh, 3% of the U.S. population. So that was settled in blood and secured in that way. And I say that because... Those are parts of our, our history, parts maybe we don't want to talk about, but also parts that are show us that that indeed the biblical premise of liberty and freedom was extended to all, and they understood that to be true. It was a complicated mix for sure, and did they engage in that perfectly? No, they didn't, but it was something that would be adjudicated later. Interesting because, as I said, July 2nd was the day that Actually, it was John Adams when he wrote to his wife, Abigail, um, and when John Adams, if you ever want to read some wonderful letters, read the, the letters of John Adam to Abigail, his wife, and vice versa. They wrote many letters, and they were beautiful letters, but he wrote on the second day of July, 1776, he said, This will be the most memorable epic in history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations. From one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward forevermore. That's how he looked at it. Uh, in that day of the second, he got it off by two days, by the way, he, he didn't realize in, that July 4th would actually become the holiday that we have today in commemoration, the birthday of America, but you see again, the institution they believed to be under God, interesting trivia is that two of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and the one who wrote most of it, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams, they both died 50 years to the day on July 4th, 1826 uh, on that anniversary of the declaration. And uh, they were signers of the declaration. James Monroe, another founding father who was elected president uh, later, uh, as along with John uh, Adams and Thomas Jefferson, they all served as presidents. He also died on July 4th, 1831 and Uh, Calvin Coolidge, President Calvin Coolidge, was born on July 4th, 1872. So that's just a piece of trivia, nothing that's, uh, other than somebody's got to have a day to be born or a day to die. I guess those are good days for presidents, okay, (laughs) so in in that. Um, I wanted to go down through today, and I've never done this in a sermon before or a message, but I wanted to take the Declaration of Independence, and I wanted to look at some of the important clauses of it, and then look at the biblical premise form. Because, again, the founders wrote volumes on their discussion, on coming to that. They wrote volumes later when they were adopting the Constitution, and then we have history beyond that. But the founders, when they did that, their basis for it was a biblical worldview. And so these are some of the verses of scripture that they, they actually used to uh, formulate even the Declaration of Independence. And Of course, um, they were students of the Bible, and uh, they were students also of of human history, man's history, and they knew law, many of them, not all of them. Some of them were not in a legal background, and and they knew those things, and they knew them to be in the Western civilization. The basis of those things was found in uh, biblical principles and came right out of the Bible in some. In the preamble, you have... Uh, and i'll use this as points just to keep myself on track but the uh, idea of the laws of nature and nature's god matter of fact it says this when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's god entitle them a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to be to the separation and that's indeed what the declaration of independence was it was a declaration of reasons why they were to separate as English colonists and English colonies from the crown of England and they cite 27 reasons why and I'm not going to go down through those but there were a number of them and you may agree with some you may not but they had reasons why. And the interesting thing about the laws of nature and nature's God, that comes directly out of scripture. And that really the principle of that is found throughout the laws of Moses in the book of Moses, or the books of Moses, in particular in Deuteronomy in chapter 32 and verse 8. It says, When the Most High divided their inheritance to the nations, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the children of of Israel and before I even go on I want to ask the Lord just to bless our time as we look into scripture father thank you for your word thank you for giving us the Bible and even here in our nation some 246 years later we're still talking about you and we're still lifting you up and I pray to that end Lord I pray that you would hold back the force of evil and and continue your blessing upon your nation Lord as we seek righteousness And Lord, we're warned. We know that Lord, if we will not seek you, then Lord, we're destined to fail. And I pray, oh God, for America today. I pray for the people of America. I pray for our leaders. I pray for each and every one of us that's here. And that Lord, people today would uh, be more mindful of you and maybe not just the celebration of a great nation. Lord, we come to you and we recognize just our founding and how that went and how it's going and we ask God that you'd be glorified in Jesus name amen you see here in Deuteronomy 32 that the most high divided an in inheritance among the nations there and it talks about that that there's these aspect of boundaries you know the bible talks about boundaries and national distinctions and those kind of things america is unique in that we are not necessarily ethnically american we are broadly Uh, probably in the initial phases there in the 13 colonies certainly European but it is a very diverse nation isn't it an extremely diverse nation and so it's not so much the idea of a race that brought us together but the idea of a God who gave boundaries to man and he's the God of nature the the Lord who not only gives natural laws but he gives himself and the Bible declares that we know in Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul picks up on that. He says, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts. You know that the Bible teaches us that God has established law And even if you don't know that law, there's still somewhat of a compass that's in your stamped upon your heart because it's the God who created us. Now you might say, we're not doing a very good job of that. Uh, And that is true. As sinners, we will go away from that. And in Romans chapter 1, Paul talks about that, that journey away from God when we suppress the knowledge of God in unrighteousness. And that will happen. Nevertheless... It doesn't matter where you are in this world, and if you were to go to some uh, you know, remote uh, a group of people, maybe in the Amazon basin, and you were to go there, and you were to ask them certain things about why laws that they have, even though they've never seen the Ten Commandments, they've never seen a Bible, they've never heard about the one true God, or anything like that, they still would say, generally, that it's wrong to murder somebody, uh, as far as innocent blood. It's wrong to do that. It's wrong... To probably uh, commit incest. It's wrong to do those things. And and you say, well, where did that law come from? Is it something we just kind of evolved to? Well, no. Actually, we go away from God. And the further we do, we, we suppress those things. But nevertheless, the laws of nature are stamped upon our hearts in those things. Because the God of nature put him there. And he has placed eternity in our hearts, the Bible says. And there is this vacuum in the human heart that only God can fill. And I think we are going in a very dangerous direction as a nation when we think we cannot let anybody know about God and we should take away all knowledge of Him and rewrite our history. Because that vacuum will be filled with sin, but it will not satisfy and it will lead a nation and its people off into an eternity that is in hell. He says this in... uh, Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them in the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. Paul recognized that someday all will stand before their creator and they will be judged in accordance to the gospel, which is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's an interesting precept because the founders felt that any nation that was to be formed in a government to be formed was not solely with the intention of this world it was rather to lead people in righteousness and prepare them for the next hmm. different way to look at things psalm 19 verse 7 says the law of the lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the lord is sure making wise the simple That was another verse that was appeared in the writings. They believed in the basis of God's law, there was the ability for man to see that he needed to be converted. And that's exactly what the law does. The law tells us that we're sinners. And then when you break the law and you take God's law and you, you know, we all have broken God's law. Some maybe have broken all. I don't know, but you've broken that law And even if we offend in one of the least points of the law, you're still lost and at odds with God, the creator. And he has given us a means for redemption and salvation, which is found in his son, Jesus Christ, who died in our place, who took our place at the cross. And that's the gospel, right? He took our sins and he was victorious. He was buried and on the third day he rose again. And if you believe that, you go forward with a new hope, a new direction, an eternal direction. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Those are other verses that appeared in that thinking about these truths that are, uh, are there and this God and the God of nature and to know that. Second part of the Declaration of Independence talks about self-evident truths and equality. And it goes on to say this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that is often quoted in the, that Uh, paragraph that's found there certain self evident truths I had this discussion with someone recently uh, uh, about things and he was coming from a different perspective of how we got here uh, as far as creation goes and all that and I said well I'm not going to get into you with the timing of things and that that what not I believe what the Bible says but I said you've got to understand that we didn't just get here on our own, there's a creator, and those things are clearly seen. And Psalm 19:1 says this: "The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. It doesn't take much uh, to, to be able to go out on a dark night and look up and see all those stars, the thousands of stars that you can visibly see, and the billions and billions of galaxies filled with billions of stars that are beyond that, and realize that didn't just happen by chance. But there's a creator. And he has put that also in our heart. That nature itself reveals to us that there is a creator. But it doesn't have the ability to tell us exactly who he is and what he's like. That's where specific revelation comes in. That's where the Bible comes in. And he revealed himself that way. We know that he made man unique. Different than all of other uh, other parts of his creation. We're not just... Sort of a higher order in creation. We're actually given a stamp of God Himself on us. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created Him. Male and female, He created them. Created them. And I think about that. I think, you know, here is, uh, you know, God putting that stamp upon man of his own creative ability, and I look at man who is so creative, right? You get a group of people together, and uh, you, you have talents and gifts that are available to people that not all of us have the same talents, but I'm amazed when I look out there and I, I see somebody. Uh, we, we went by, um, we were in Bath, Maine, this last couple days ago, and went by the shipyard that's there, at Bath Iron Works, and I see these ships or parts of them that are 12 stories high and all that intricate work. And how somebody can go and take metal, right, and other things and all the technology and everything else and tools and all that and put that together and come up with something that's state of the art. And it just, I just go, wow, you know, I'm just amazed at the bigness of them. You know, but I think of the intricacy and the engineering and the skills of people that have to go and learn to weld metals together and all that. And you say, how could that just happen, right? That's unique to man. Because we serve a God who is a God of creation and he's a creative God and he has put that stamp on people's hearts, whether they recognize it or not, and they can come up and and play musical instruments and sing beautiful songs and paint pictures and they can... Uh, use their gifts with their hands and their writing abilities all those things are expression of who god is our founders recognize that that in diversity you could have unity under god e pluribus unum they recognized the idea of equality and equality as they said was not fully Realized and probably isn't even to this day fully realized in our nation. However, equality in the sense that the Bible taught that there is no distinction before God between a slave and his master, or a man and a woman, a child and someone who is an adult. They recognize that though we play different roles and we have those roles and distinctions, that we are also under God equal and again that would play out as people believed that and move forward with that and for the next 8 decades in America mostly from the pulpits of America and the ones who wrote out their their sermons and other things and were published throughout newspapers of the time they they proclaimed liberty for all and equality for all they believed that because the Bible taught it Leviticus 24, says, You shall have the same law for the stranger and for one from your own country, for I am the Lord your God. And God told Israel, you're to have the same law. You're not to have two sets of laws, two sets of justice. Uh, you often see the, the image of the scales of justice and Lady Liberty, they often call it, who's Lady Justice, and she's blindfolded. And that's the idea that legal standing before the, whether it be man's law Or God's law should be one of blind justice somewhat. in that not favored. Because this person looks that way or this person doesn't. And again, with sinners in control of things, it doesn't always fit that way, does it? But the foundation, nevertheless, was extremely important in that. Romans 2.11 says, For there is no partiality with God. That's the principle, both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. God doesn't look at a Gentile and see a Gentile less important than a Jew or a bond person enslaved as someone who's free. He looked at them as both in need of him and he proclaims liberty. The law was such. It was so important that even if man was to commit murder against another man, a woman, that his blood would be required of him because you, when you kill another man in murder you are killing like you're basically really poking your finger right at God in doing so because he made man and he puts, God is, is a God who sanctifies life whether it be young, in the womb, old he is the one who sanctifies life in Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 whoever sheds man's blood by man his blood shall be shed for in the image of God he made man it's important and that's something that you know we talk about that's often even in the premise of society in in our country there was the death penalty there is still some places for heinous murder, capital murder and it was not always exercised um, judiciously uh, but it should be and the reason was because God puts a value on man and if you are going to take that you are actually violating who God is that's the way they looked at that that's, that comes right out of scripture. How about stealing? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just leave out all your valuable goods and nobody would ever take them, right? The further we get away from the commandments of God, simple commandments like you shall not steal, uh, the further we get away from, well, the the more we, we we see crime rise. We see other things like that. And it's important that you don't covet your neighbor's goods or... Your neighbor's wife, or which leads to adultery, leads to other things, right? I mean, all kinds of stuff. And we live in a society that's driven by those things. And wouldn't it be a good thing? You know, there's a movement today to remove all of the visual images of uh, religion, in the sense of like crosses and those things, but also the Ten Commandments, which happen to be like engraved on the walls of our Supreme Court, in their building, and a lot of courthouses throughout the United States have the Ten Commandments. And I uh, was thinking about that. I mean, think about it. You can remove those things. But imagine if somebody actually looked at the Ten Commandments and followed them. Would we be a worse off nation? No. And yet, people think we would be. And I think that's crazy. And our founders believed that the law of God was important for the basis of the law of man. And our laws were to function that way. Exodus, chapter 21, verse 16. He who kidnaps a man and sells him or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. Wow, that's important. And that was such a struggle that, as I said, there was a, a civil war over the issue of slavery. And lots of people died in that, sadly. Entire generations wiped out. Some towns in America lost all their men who were age 16 to 45. And there was nobody that ever came back from the war in that. America has paid for some of its its slowness to react to some of those things. But the basis of abolition of slavery, for example, was verses like this. That attributed, you know, worth to everybody. The same worth. And that it wasn't right for one person to lord over another person. And that's exactly why they were, at that point, one of the reasons why they felt the crown of England had come to a point where it was tyrannical and it was now lording over people in a way that was actually against God and therefore had abdicated or forfeited his crown and his authority that's why they said we, we don't want you anymore King George and you may agree with that you may not and they also recognized in their writings and even in the declaration of independence that it was not something to take lightly at all how about the pursuit of life liberty well, the, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, those things were reasons why that God has given those things to us. And that is true. It should be our uh, aim to pursue those things. Life, right? Stand for life. Liberty, that's the idea of freedom and not total freedom from law, but to stand in liberty. And then the pursuit of happiness. Not the guarantee of happiness, but the pursuit of it. A lot of people have pursued it and never found it. But you live in a land where you can pursue it. And no man, no woman should be able to take that from you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 13. Solomon writes, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. There is something so wonderful when you can sit back and enjoy The labor of your hand in a land that is under liberty and say thank you lord but you have to have all those elements and the further we get away from thanking god for those things the more miserable we become and the more enslaved to our own sin we become beware of that third thing here you have the governmental powers and the governed and liberty the idea of that and um in it says this in the next paragraph that to secure these rights governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed and it's interesting that in 1384 John Wycliffe uh, who formulated the English Bible the first English Bible translation uh, and that was published in the preamble of that talk about Way where it got him in trouble with the king actually and he was burned to the stake or burned at the stake Um, in the preamble of John Wycliffe's bible it says this bible is for the government of the people by the people and for the people sounds familiar doesn't it sounds very familiar the basis of American our constitution in that In Exodus chapter 19, it says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. So Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. People took an oath in that time. And again, that's Israel, different nation, different people. Nevertheless, the principle was we will follow after God's law. We will do that. And again, I won't read these verses for sake of time, but in Deuteronomy 16, talks about judges and officers in the gates and they were to be equitable and fair in their dealings and they were not to accept bribes. Wow. Maybe they should read that, some of them especially the ones that have run for a political office and are now there voting themselves money. It was the idea of liberty. And that came from the Lord. For instance, in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus chapter 25, verse 10 I don't know if I put this in there or not, but it talks about the 50th year, a year of Jubilee. And people were to be released from their financial obligations. They were to be released from their indebtedness. And some of them had sold themselves into servitude. And they were to be released. That was part of the law. Because God wanted a year of Jubilee. and He didn't want a perpetual lording over somebody and their descendants. And so there was every seventh year, a year of uh, of Jubilee, the land would rest A Sabbath year and and every 50th year a year that would uh, be like no other year. And that's interesting. They believed in unity. They believed that a country would only function properly if its people were on the same page. And they adopted those things whether it be, and they argued this later, a common language. Whether it was something of common values But all those things helped propel a nation in unity. And in Psalm 133 verse 1 it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. When you don't dwell in unity, well, you see the results of that, don't you? And the premise here with the scriptures, it was believers who dwelt in unity in that. A lot more could be said. (laughs) In the New Testament that is the same principle as well. Fourthly the stability of government or the long nature or the I should say the, the firmness of government is something that they took very carefully and they debated this for a long time whether it was proper to um, say that they were going to no longer they were going to actually form their own nation and no longer be under the crown of England and under that authority. And it's interesting, some of the dialogue surrounding that was even citing what Jesus said about the Roman Empire at his day. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 20, remember when they brought a coin to Jesus, and he said this to them, Whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's." God's and the principle was there that that there is government it wasn't a perfect government Caesar's government was pretty, pretty hard if you were a Jew living under that for sure and the Jews wanted a Messiah who would come in and just turn over the government and he didn't do it although Isaiah 9 6 says that the government rests upon his shoulders and he is coming again and the government will be changed that's for sure it'll be his government but the Clause in the, in the uh, Declaration of Independence says, Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. Huh. Oh man, we're there now. Well, I don't agree with that ruling, or I don't agree with that person. I don't, let's change the government. Well, no, don't. They, our founders didn't want that happening. And they made it purposely very hard in America to do that. And they came to it when they were looking at the king and under his leadership and his tyrannical leadership, that's what they said. And they said, it is not a light thing that we come to this moment. And it shouldn't be done regularly. And he goes on to say this, And according all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. In other words, their idea was that it's okay to suffer for a little bit. Don't just go out and try to change things. Uh, and that's, that's the accustomed way. And yet they chose to go a different route and to start a new nation. The Bible reminds us to be subject. Subject. Remind them to be, Titus uh, 3.1 says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. And that is a command given to the church. And I will say this, that where possible, live peaceably with all men. That's what Paul follows up. We also know that if you want to go against authority and government, you will suffer Uh, often the consequences of doing so the sword will be raised to you and the men who signed the declaration of independence recognized that and they pledged as we'll get to their their lives knowing that this was not a light thing to do a very important thing moving along the duty of the governed to guard their future now this is important one of the things as i've been reading the founders writings and I've been reading you know, some of our more important documents and all that, is that they had a view past themselves. Listen, we live in a generation that life is like this all the time. Selfie, selfie, selfie. Now, if you took a selfie like that, it's okay. All right, I have two. Uh, may, that may not be okay if you want to look at my face. But, but if that's the only thing that drives you, wow. that it's all about you, and it's all about the immediate people around you and it's only about this moment then we will lose it all our founders knew this they knew that to survive as a nation they had to look beyond the years as we sang about today or heard that sung in america right Uh, thinking about pilgrims of vision right who saw beyond the years that way And they were able to see a land that would be better for their descendants because of the principles for which they stood on in that generation. And many of these men that signed the Declaration of Independence, they died in poverty. Some of them lost their lives. They lost their families. They lost everything for the pursuit of something greater for their descendants. Oh, how easily we throw that aside. And woe unto us if we do so. Isaiah 61 verse 1 this deals with Christ it was fulfilled when Jesus was actually the very uh, time he stood up in the synagogue and he read from the scroll of Isaiah he read from this text but get the idea here it's the spirit of the lord god is upon me because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening Of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I love that imagery. That Isaiah uses here of trees of righteousness. Trees last a long time, unless you're like in a woodlot in Maine. But, anyways, that's, but you know, trees are meant that way. There are trees that were planted back at the founding of our nation or were there and they grow. Think of some of the sequoia trees and redwood trees and oak trees and other trees that are out there today that are old, old, old. They've lasted generations. And yet I'm mindful that that's not really that far removed from those days of 1776 when they were talking about these very things. Matter of fact, I thought of that today. I was just thinking of years, how many years America has been around, you know, as its founding, and, and, and 246 years celebrated tomorrow. But in 246 years, is isn't that far. My dad was born in 1947. There were still Civil War vets living at that time. The last one died, I think, in 1956. I I Don't quote me on that directly, but I think that was... So there were still Civil War vets. At the time of their birth, there were people who had fought in the Revolution. So it doesn't go very far back, the hands of history, as we pass one torch to another generation in this country. We're still very young. And yet, we're reminded that it's not for the moment in which we live. It is for those that follow us. And we need to prepare that. They came to it, the idea that um, we had to be very careful. And they said this, But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evidences a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. (laughs) They didn't take it lightly when they signed their names and they did that. The reliance on the Supreme. This is my final point. Throughout the document you see a reliance on God, on the Lord, on God, the one who is uh, providence as they capital p you see that use and the divine supreme and they recognized that no matter how important man thought he was there was a supreme god who providentially orders our steps and uh, in his grace would form a new nation and they would have to fight for that in the book of judges and this was cited for some of the discussion the colonies were far, uh, as far as men who were armed and able to stand against a great empire like Great Britain, England, and the king and all his power and all his armada of she, of uh, ships and other things, you know what? They were just little in number. Just very, very small as far as the comparison, the colonists. And I think of those men that signed the Declaration of Independence and as they were signing that, I mean, they were they were putting their name to it, and everything that was around them to that. Judges chapter seven is the story of Gideon. Gideon was not a mighty man of valor, although that's what God saw his his hand to be. He was a man who was afraid. He was a man who was. When you see Gideon, he's uh, threshing wheat at the bottom of a hill and in the wine press and that's not where you thresh wheat because the chaff just falls back down on you you need to be up on the hill where the wind is blowing and he's hiding because the Midianites are in the land and those Midianites are so many that they can't even number them he was just a little man in a scary world and yet this is what the Lord did with him then the Lord said to Gideon by the 300 men who lapped I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hands. And as those men signed that document, and they did so over a space of weeks uh, some of the final signers of it by the way were I think August 2nd of, of uh, 1776 but it was ratified on the 4th and uh, as they put their names to that document they recognized that without God the supreme ruler it would be impossible for such a nation to even uh, first of all form and then to go on and this is what they said We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name, capital N, and by authority, capital A, of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free, and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that as free and independent states they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, capital P, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And we're reminded that they signed their names to that, and they, they meant business. And I'm thankful um, that I'm here today. 246 years later and I'm able to proclaim freely these things and tell us our history a little bit too and be reminded of that so when you celebrate the fourth all right do so celebrating just like um, Madison said and others you know about (laughs) celebrating in great pomp right but uh, celebrate our birthday of a nation but be reminded that we are under a supreme judge one who is Uh, sifting out the hearts of men (laughs) and he knows all things and we ought to be thankful for him and go and tell the gospel because they believe that was the only thing that would keep men free people free father thank you for your word thank you for your goodness thank you for your grace in jesus name amen